0: And the Cubs, top nine, eight to three. It was Horner's Grand Slam, which made the difference. And as Ben puts his headset back on after yelling at his siblings as we start this recording, Palencia on the three-two-two two outs, top nine, and the pitch. Cubs win! Swings at a ball in the dirt. Cubs win, Cubs win, Cubs win. And it's the 120 Podcast. Mikey Fernelli alongside Benjamin Hooty And the Cubs take two out of three from the Washington Nationals. And Ben's yelling at his siblings again because they are taking the audio from us. But Ben, why are they yelling? Because the Cubs won? I
1: hope so. I don't know because they're annoying me. So if it's about (laughs) the Cubs winning, then I'm perfectly fine with that.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear it as the... Bleacher was full, the bleachers were full of yellow bucket hats today, and Ben and I were debating for the last little bit, we're coming at you live on Wednesday night, if you can't get that from my little Pat Hughes impression there, um, we're recording this on Wednesday, release on Friday, we'll be back next week early as we'll get into later, but uh, the Cubs win, and we're recording this, we were debating we wanted to record before the game ended or not, and we got into it just as this game ended, Cubs win, headsets on, and Ben. We'll get into my classic recap since our last episode after this, but give me your quick recap of, of, of getting two out of three against the Walgreens.
1: The, there's a lot that's happened since we last recorded right before the All-Star break when we had that great show winning a series over the Yankees, uh, taking two out of, or excuse me, one out of three against Boston really, it, it, it wasn't feeling good on the, on the North side after, uh, this past weekend, but I think, um, taking care of business and winning two out of three against, A team that's not, that has no right being good or taking games from a team that's at least trying to contend at this point. I really don't know what we put a label on the Cubs anymore, but you gotta take two out of three from the teams that you're better than. And they got the job done with some, um, solid starting pitching, I guess you could say, especially from Kyle Hendricks tonight. But, uh, you know, Jameson Tyone got knocked around a little bit early and he ended up kind of settling in. All right yesterday, but and a lot of offense, too, obviously, which I think you can hit all those notes on uh, the last two days.
0: Yeah, just a Bears type score yesterday. I think my favorite tweet was the last time the Bears and uh, commanders played the score for the Bears was lower than what the Cubs scored against the Washington baseball team yesterday. Uh
1: if, in, if I'm not wrong, was that score on Thursday night football Amazon? Yeah, it was like uh, 7 I think it was to 10. 17 to 12.
0: Yeah, it was, some, it was it was really low. It was like for football it was low. And so yesterday the 17 to 3 win by the Cubs was over the last year the biggest smackdown of a Chicago team versus a Washington team, unless I'm forgetting like some like Bulls Wizards game. I don't know. I don't know. That I doesn't, feel like doesn't count. Bulls. Doesn't I feel count.
1: Like the Bulls and the Wizards have our number.
0: Yeah, I I I don't know. The and the Blackhawks were not trying to win, and it worked. So uh, I di- I guarantee they didn't beat the Capitals. So, um, <laughs> recapping <laughs> after a very random. Uh, little tangent there, if you can't tell, it's a late night episode. Recapping the Cubs last week since we talked, or last two weeks, I guess, it feels like only a week though because there was the All-Star break. It's been about a we, week and a half. Yeah, we had Will J. on the pod, and we talked about the Cubs and the Yankees for an extended period of time. We appreciate all the support on that episode. I heard great things. Uh, that's what we do when we bring on a guest who knows a lot more than me about the New York Yankees and my friend Will Johnson. So uh, the Cubs took two out of three from the New York Yankees, who now sit, as of last night, at the bottom of their division but would be at the top of the AL Central, which is kind of a fun fact. Then, of course, there's the Cubs and the Red Sox, in which Boston took two after the All-Star break following the first National League win in nine years. So that was a little flex. Should, should make us feel some kind of way. Justin Steele, uh, shoved, shut out shoved.
1: shoved. Loved to see it. Shoved on the national stage.
0: We're not in deal anymore.
1: Yeah. But going back to Boston.
0: And, well, also Steele had the third most selling signed all-star jersey which just saw that which just proves like we're not leaving like no matter what in a cubs year that's been so up and down like we're literally not leaving yeah um and then we get into the nationals where the cubs took two out of three as of just about two minutes ago they got the second two games wins eight to three and 17 to three course night one. The nationals took it seven to five, but I will take the wins where we can get them. So it has been the definition of mid Benjamin Hootie since the Cubs returned from either like Cabo or in Justin Seals case, Seattle.
1: Yeah. And I think that's been the tail all season really at this point, um, that run differential just continues to tick up. I don't know if you saw my tweet. I had yesterday. I think I did.
0: I think I know what you're I talking said,
1: about. Uh, the Cubs with a plus now 40, no, excuse me. Now it's at a plus 40 run differential. It's just comedic at this point because it's just, it's just a weird, they're a weird team. They love to score so many runs on some nights and then the next night not even, you know, pass the baton at all. But these last two days have been nice with some late inning magic. Um, Especially yesterday, which we talked about already was a football score, but we're not even mentioning the fact that they sc- scored all those in their last three yeah. innings, all 17 runs. So, and then tonight was the Mike Talkman game, had three RBIs, a uh, nice little homer to lead off the game. And then Nico Horner comes through with some insurance in the top of, or bottom of the eighth and it's real, his first career grand slam, which was obviously just awesome because we're both huge Nico guys over here. So.
0: Yep. All right, so you know, regard we'll get into the, we'll get into the the classic you know buyers and sellers. It feels like HGTV on this podcast sometimes, and we're always just talking about like who's buying, who's selling, who, whatever, love it or list it. But anyway, we are um, first gonna have to acknowledge that regardless of if they're buying or selling or nothing, there is still stake in the game for the next couple weeks, regardless of how terrible these two teams are. It feels like a gauntlet of. Like high school football opponents, if you get what I'm saying, like every game feels like you got some stake in it for the next couple, couple of days, couple of weeks. We got the Cardinals in Wrigley to, in the next couple days, got the White Sox uh, on the road, and then we have the Cardinals on the road again, and then we have the Reds in Wrigley. So it's just four series in a row where it's like teams that just feel like you want to beat extra. Like it feels like a win is like a win and then you know, add a little bit of pepper. That's every single win against any of those three teams.
1: For sure. I mean, just you mentioning that, I knew it was going to be Cardinals-White Sox, but I didn't realize that they went Cardinals-Reds after that. So, I mean, that's their biggest stretch of the year, and I know we've probably said that already a million different times on this podcast, whether it was that, you know, 10-game stretch where they went 9 of 10 or whatever it might be. But now it's truly whether – as you said, whether we are buyers or sellers, show us you want to compete, put, put everything on the table and fight for, fight for each other and try and win some ball games against, I would say three of your biggest
0: rivals, really. Well, it backs right into that, that, you know, that deadline, that dreaded deadline, August 1st day. I mean, it, it's backs right into it. It's the last couple of series before. The deadline, and I, I've I've never seen more of a chance for morale to be built than winning a significant amount of games against your two biggest rivals right before the team decides to buy or sell. Because remember what happened last year? It was a similar situation. I mean, we were much worse, but everyone was like, "Oh man, here come the Cubs! Man, they're going to trade away both Hap and Contreras, and you know it's going to be a fire sale again." And then both of them stuck around because they want. Well, they couldn't find good enough deals uh, openly from Jed, but. They ended up extending Hap, and I'm honestly okay with not, with Contreras at this point. And it was because at the time people got mad because they were winning again. Right after the All-Star break last year, they won like six or seven in a row. And so if you can put on a stretch here, it makes it somewhat interesting to think, huh, maybe this team is good enough to be good next year if they just bring in the pieces that they need. And it feels like a repeat of last year, but there's ways to get what they need.
1: Yeah, and... It's still annoying because, you know, we did go into the season with expectations of playing a little bit above 500 baseball because of the fact that we played over 500 in the second half of last year. And that was honestly just like a that was a really fun stretch that we had at the end there because it was kind of like one of those. It was a rebuilding team that was just, you know, hitting together and kind of just each player was playing to earn a spot on the team for the following year. So,
0: I mean, let me, let me reiterate. I'm not, I'm not saying, Oh, let's give up. Like, there's always next year. That's what it's, it sounded like what I was saying. No, I'm, I'm saying like, you know, it's obvious this Cubs team is not going to win the world series. I mean, I don't think so. Knock, knock. But I, I mean, I don't even know if I want to rule out anything else yet, but like, there's got to still be stake in the game. Like, you got to still be excited to watch Chicago Cubs baseball. And I think, this team is still exciting enough to be good in the second half. Like I, that's not my expectation. That's not how I want to go into years. That's not how I want to see the Cubs as a mid team that could be okay. But like, we want to see them win. Like that's, they're not in the rebuilding state where you're trying to lose. We're not the Blackhawks. It's not 2012.
1: No, you're, you're a hundred percent right. And you know, I, I hope that they keep winning ball games. I mean, If they would have lost two out of three to Washington or, granted, even gotten swept, I think we'd be talking way differently right now.
0: Well, yeah, that's how it usually goes in this pod.
1: If if this team continues to play kind of hover around 500, then, yeah, maybe you do feel a little better about next season. And thankfully, they are getting Dansby Swanson back potentially for this stretch. I know Ross said that they are expecting him to come off the IL sometime during this Cardinal series, so
0: let's get into the bread and butter here. I let's, think. Let's do it. So, if you if you're a big Twitter guy as my friend Ben is, you probably have seen by now that Ben had a exclusive interview among one of Chicago's many music festivals um and the cameras weren't rolling I kind of wish he would have shoved his phone in his pocket with the mic going so we'd be able to share that audio with you but you know of course we would have had to have him sign off because it's hard to uh to try and go against a man worth as much money as Tom Ricketts owner of the Chicago Cubs and Ben Hootie had the chance to run into him and I have even though he sent me the picture, I have refused to listen to the story so I could learn just like all of you. So Ben, the stage is yours from the start. What was your experience running into Tom Ricketts during the country music festival the other night? So yeah,
1: was that Windy City smoke out the other night? Um, saw Zach Brown band, absolutely electric, great, just great band. Awesome. Yeah. We're walking out. You know, right by the United Center, it's kind of a big, big square walking towards our, where we parked at and see a, a a taller looking skinny man and my brother who's with me, also very big Cubs fan, kind of hits me on the shoulder, goes, Ben, that's Tom. Go, what? He goes, that's Tom Ricketts. And (laughs) I mean, there's probably a lot of things I could have done there, whether it was just you know go up nicely <laughs> to him, ask him for a picture, whatever it might be. And I I did go up to him, and you did get a I, picture. Yeah, well that's there's there's a lot there's a lot to it. It leads into it, yeah. Probably talked to this man for about two minutes on our walk back to our cars. That's uh, awesome. I think he was getting an Uber, so I go up to him, um. I was, I was obviously feeling pretty good. I had a lot of confidence. Go off to him. What's going on, Tom? Nice to meet you. Didn't say my name. Uh, what, what, what are we doing with Belly and Strowman? Straight up. Right away. <laughs> right away. Just got right into the hard-hitting questions. Said, you, you better extend them. Obviously, like, there's a lot of factors that have played into it now, and who knows what happens with Belly and Strowman. I guarantee we'll have. These conversations on this podcast at some point about what they could potentially do with them. But I ask him, Hey, what's going on with Belly and Stroman? I don't want to see another sell off this year. And he yeah. straight up said, he straight up says to me, well, you know, we're 42 and 48 right now or whatever it might have been, 41 and 48. Got it. And you know, things aren't really clicking as much as I want them to. And I said, All right, he said. He tells me straight up, and I quote: "The Brewers are going to run away with the division." That one hurt a lot to hear your owner, who's worth millions and millions of dollars more,
0: Did did he actually say that? I
1: promise you, I believe it. He told me. Milwaukee is going to run away with the division.
0: Wow. I and mean, he's not I, totally wrong, but hearing that from the owner of the Chicago Cubs.
1: Exactly. And especially just a random dude that you just met on the side of the
0: street. Was, did he have a lot of confidence too? Talking to me? Well, like, did, did he, he's illegal. Did he have a lot to drink at the Zach Brownman concert? I don't know. Probably. Oh, okay. Was he, was he in a crew?
1: i i i honestly did he had more people with him i couldn't tell like if his wife or kids were with him or what so whatever he says that and then i was like all right well you guys better be buyers at the deadline and then i started telling him about a player that i liked a guy that actually hit two home runs this <laughs> candelario. year i said go get candlestick go get candelario like bring him back and he's like oh yeah that's one of our guys like we we liked him when he was here i was like yeah Go get him, like we need a third baseman, pretty clear and obvious. Like, talk to the or Jesus, talk to Jed, get it done. It's like, all right, whatever. And then I asked the big, the big question.
0: Did I get a picture? Um,
1: no. Oh. <laughs> and then I, I, I got multiple questions, and I was like, all right, what about Shohei Otani? Go, <laughs> go get him. Go get Shohei Otani this offseason. And he told me, and I quote, "Well, we got the dough for him." We got the dough is what he said. We have the dough for him. And I said, all right, then, then get it done. Like, whatever it might be. Do I believe him? Absolutely not. Because he's
0: had the dough for how no, many no. years? No, they do. no, no, no. no. He's not wrong. They do have the money. They do have they're the dough. It's just a matter of if they're going to spend that's it. That's why you said it like that. He's not going to, sp- he's not going to tell some guy on the street, some kid, Hey, you know, like, like, yeah, we have the dough and we're going to spend it. No, he, we have the money. He's like making fun of himself almost.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I missed a big part of this too. This is okay. my this is my family's favorite part of it. When he told me the Brewers were going to run away with the division, I uh, I yelled I yelled at him. I go,
0: "Come on, Tom. What are we doing? What are we doing, Tom? <laughs> the Brewers and the Reds are frauds." And what did he say to that?
1: And then I he just didn't acknowledge me. But then, then you after, still
0: you still got a picture after I, all this? I after all of that, I said, "Hey, Tom. We got a picture real like, quick. You fold it. You fold. I'm kidding. I would the same thing. <laughs> so yeah,
1: that was whether it was as much of a story as you loved it or not. I exposed that was the cut. great. I went. I went right up God, to Tom great. Ricketts and.
0: He looks gave him good a piece in this picture. I'll t- I'll tweet out this picture when I share the pod. It's already on Ben's Instagram too. He looks good. He's got like the acid washed jeans. He's got the shirt with like three buttons undone. I mean. Tom's living his life. I mean you look good too, but like I'm not like I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying like like Tom is the one that I'm like. He's living his life, but he doesn't want to spend money on our
1: franchise nor bring in trade assets to make the team better.
0: Spend money on the Zach Brown band.
1: Yeah. You'd rather see Milwaukee run away with the division.
0: Well. That is awesome. That that might have been At least in my opinion, I don't know if the listeners will agree. They probably will. That might have been some of the best two or three minutes of content on this podcast history.
1: That was good. And and I I hope so because I mean, that's
0: that's the highest profile interview we've had of too. Yeah. Sorry. And
1: you know, you know what? It's no, it's really no. Whether I'm I'm sharing something I'm not supposed to be or like.
0: But you're not like you're not. He's just talking to a fan. Like if, you, if he was worried, he wouldn't have said it.
1: Exactly. Like he wouldn't have gave me the benefit of the doubt, which I honestly respect that he right. had the balls to talk to me and, you know, tell yeah. me these things, especially if it's something that
0: I a couple of things that I didn't want to hear. He's a smart person. He's a business person. He's just interacting with fans. I totally understand it. As annoying as the Brewers thing is, he's not totally wrong. And I think that kind of keys into our conversation. And it's those two players that you brought up to the owner himself. But I'm going to propose something. Let's hear it. If if you have to, if you're Jed and you're like, all right, well, we're not totally buyers, but it's not going to be a fire sale either. Do you, and you're like, we'll trade one or the other. But we, you want to trade the one that has more value and keep the one that still adds value to your team that you think you can re-sign. Who are you keeping and who are you trading, Strowman oh, or Bellinger? And I I know you're going to think about it because I put you on the spot. My answer is Cody. I, See, I, I've thought about this I'm, this morning, and I think it's Bellinger. I'm going to go the opposite direction with you. So, I mean, yeah. I'm trying to say we keep Bellinger.
1: Yes, and I 100% agree with you. I think we should keep both. I think they – make your team both so much better for next season. But what has been one of the main reasons you've won ball games this year?
0: Marcus and Stroman.
1: If you trade Stroman, it almost puts you back more next year than if you were to get rid of Cody Ballinger. At the same time, I'm not discrediting the month that Cody Bellinger has had because ever since he's come off the IL, he's been our best player without a doubt. You know, whether it's hitting home runs or getting on base, starting rallies, you're, you're a hundred percent right. And I'm not going to disagree with you for saying you want to, we would rather keep Belly than Strowman. But I, I truly think that having two, two, ace level pitchers at the at the top of your rotation going into next season is just as pivotal as any anything anything else on the roster. Now here's yes. here's the only thing I'm going to contradict with the Stroman thing that I'm saying. The the thing about Stroman is that if they were to sign him to a big deal, I think the later half of that deal might not be as positive as the first couple of years will be because he is, he's not a huge strikeout guy. He's very much a, a ground ball guy and he he can get hard hit hard sometimes, but I, I think it's just as valuable to, I'm, I'm tired of losing. And I think Stroman will provide the Cubs more wins next year. If they were to keep him around than Ballinger.
0: And that's exactly why I think it's going to be the opposite of what I think of what you think. I think we're going to trade Cody, and I think we'll keep Strowman around. I mean, you just like Hap last year. You simply can't trade Marcus Stroman with a year left. I, the only reason why I'd understand is because his value will never will never be higher in his career than it is right now. Teams would be licking their lips to have him on their team right now if they think they could win the World Series. But I, that means he still brings value to the Chicago Cubs. Right. I, I think Bellinger is was brought in for this reason like hey it's a very friendly contract we, we you and i talked about it preseason. season like if it doesn't work out for the team you know he's tradable but you need to to win baseball games god you, you need to be able to have players that can win you those games in like the most layman terms like it's it that's what i'm sick of like yeah, prospects are great, and you could get good prospects, I and mean, we've seen it in recent years. But for someone like Cody Bellinger, who was not homegrown with the Cubs, who came here to get a resurgence in his career, who came here because he believed in our tech technique and the coaches, and t- it's working. It's working and you need to keep him around because it's working. And he has seemingly had a bit of a resurgence right now in this, in his career. I'm not saying he's an MVP again, but he's back to maybe a level he hasn't been since he was an MVP in the last month, month and a half. And what, if you're Cody, why do you want to screw that up? If you're the Cubs, why do you want to screw that up? If you're Tom Ricketts, what are you going to say to fans with a lot of confidence, quote unquote, outside of Zach Brown band concerts if you don't resign Cody Bellinger? I mean, What, how can you say you have the dough and you don't re-sign a former MVP who's, who's doing that well for your team in a one-year contract?
1: And, and that's why I think it's, it's so pivotal to keep the guys around, even if the Cubs continue to play at this level, because yes, I understand the season's not going how anyone planned it to be at the, at Mm. this point, but you you don't want to be bad again next year. Like this no. is, this is going on what? Next year will be going on year four of this Fire rebuild sale. now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just, I'm sick and tired of it. And Cody Ballinger and Strowman have been two of your best players yes. all year long. You got to keep those guys around. I mean, God, I, Strowman even said after the game on Saturday, which they both were the, of course they were the two biggest reasons for our only win. In the entire Red Sox series was that he he said that I know I know belly wants to stay here. And I know that I would love to continue to play here because it's such a great organization. And we love playing for the fans and we want to win here and we want to do everything we can to win here.
0: I don't think it's locked in that they're that they're gone, though. Keep going. But I I don't want to say it's over yet. Like, I think there's a chance they both might stick around for now.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I think that it's it's not a lock because look at last year. I mean, we literally sat through ha- week a whole entire week of goodbye. Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras at Wrigley Field. They were literally crying in the dugout with each other, holding each that other. That was and so
0: that I. I that, just that, I just hated that it got to that point where we were so sure that like that was it and like marquee was playing into it and then like nothing happened like that was weird yeah. like if we're like i that just not that again please if we're gonna like not trade just like not that again
1: but it's no you're right and it's just it's just frustrating as fans that even though yes i i understand the season hasn't gone the way you want it to and if they do end up trading them you know what i'm I'm not, I'm not going to be that upset because I've already seen, I've already seen this story a million, like a thousand other times with this team. But it's, it's just a matter of how frustrating it is being a fan of this team and doing this year in, year out when you can contend and win this division next year if you bring the right pieces in place on top of those guys and Belly and Stroman that you already have here.
0: You use that dough that Ricketts talks about last off season to bring in six, seven solid free agents, and the crowd has thinned. Uh, Hosmer is no longer with, you know, the team and Mancini barely gets his reps and the crowd is thinned and you, you see the Palatine Pounder come up and stuff like that. But it's, it's kind of shook out into the, you know, the next great Cubs team, for lack of a better term, even though they're not great. It, but it doesn't feel like this is a team that's rebuilding anymore. It feels like this is a solid baseball team that's just a few things away. But considering that we're so negative on them and there's still only five games under 500 in a terrible division that that they could easily be winning. I mean, the, I don't think they need to have a fire sale. I think you've got to stick with what you have and only build on that. Like, you can't start from square one. That's been the biggest thing for three years now. If if a season doesn't go your way, it doesn't mean you have to burn the whole house down and start again from the foundation the next year. That's not how you win championships. That's not how you win divisions. You gotta keep something up, and in my opinion, you you have to keep those two guys, if not one or the other, because that that's cornerstones. If you're gonna be the quote the next great Cubs team, and and that quote next great Cubs team is gonna have anything to do with this team in 2023, one of those guys is part of it. I do exact exactly
1: what you said, cornerstones. That because as you were as you were saying that statement. If the Cubs continue to play this way, I'm fine with them selling at the deadline because there are pieces on this team that yes. other that other major league teams can use. I'm just going to name a few names off the top of my head right now. Michael Fomer, Julian Merryweather, Drew Smiley. Those are all guys that Mark you know if they I'd like to keep lighter around. But yes. But we'll see, we'll see what I'm, but those three guys more specifically, like if they were to trade them then I don't think there's it's that big of a deal but you gotta you gotta keep those cornerstone players around because they're the ones that are going to help you win baseball games next year in a winnable division and you know as as you said there a couple a couple of different balls bounced our way and you know maybe we are sitting at 500 right now it's been a mostly negative season but it's just there there's there's so many like little things that if they would have gone right, maybe we are talking about a complete buy of the deadline. But I just think the biggest thing of it all to take away with it all is you gotta keep those cornerstone players around because I'm I'm tired of it. I'm 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 simply tired of mm-hmm. doing the same old song and dance every single year.
0: There's that quote in the movie Bull Durham where he's talking, about, where Kevin Costner's character is talking about the difference between hitting 250 and 300, I think it is, or 200 and 250, I forget what it is, but he's like spread out over a full season, it's like five hits a month, five little duck snorts, you know, ground balls with eyes. It's a great speech. I wish I could know more of it off the top of my head, but that's really how far away this Cubs team is, as a total team, from being in a completely different scenario. They are not a bad team. And I think that kind of puts a bow on what we're talking about here. And I, I, I don't think, I don't think trading both is inevitable. I think we can learn from last year. Everyone thought for sure Hap was done. He was gone with one year left in his contract. He's, you know, see ya. And they kept him around and then was able to rework a contract. That gets it, that gets into actually the last thing I want to say about this. I don't, even if both stick around, I don't think they're either of them are getting a new contract until next year. At this point, we're wow. past the, at this point, we're past that point.
1: Oh yeah, they would they if they're going to come back, they're going to have to uh they're going to have to sign them back in free agency. But yeah. by by not trading them, you're showing them that you have respect for them. You want them to be a part of, you know, I hate I hate saying it because it doesn't feel like we've gotten anywhere with this, but the next great Cubs team yeah. in quotes.
0: I only say it because they kept saying it. So They I'm gonna, they I'm gonna say hold it. Them to it. No, I know. I
1: know I know you do. And you're a hundred percent right, but you got, you got to keep the guys around that are going to win you ball games. And frankly, I'm tired of it because by this time next season, I want to be over 500 and I want, I want to be competing for the division. I don't want to be talking about another sell off next year, which I mean, who even knows at this point if they trade those guys, maybe we're back in the same exact position as we are this year.
0: All right. That was a lot of content between starting this episode live as the Cubs won, between Ben's exclusive interview with an MLB owner, leaving the Zach Brown band concert, between getting on our soapboxes and our passion for this team and not trading, you know, the cornerstones. I think we end the episode on a light note, do a complete 180, turning from, uh, Addison to Clark and we're going to, we're going to talk about something we both like movies. Yeah. And, uh, tomorrow we're like, okay, now you know what? By the time this episode releases today is the day and this has nothing to do with the Cubs. So turn it off if you don't care, but I feel like for years and months, I'm trying to somehow relate this back to the Cubs, but I can't. We're just going to roll with it. I wanted to have a chance since we both have a podcast together to discuss the insane marketing effort that has been this Barbie slash Oppenheimer. Thing and I saw your tweet today and I, again I apologize to the listeners. It has nothing new with baseball, but I I want to ask you about your tweet, yeah. Because my hope is that people people see us as friends. You know, if they're listeners, they follow us on Twitter and know we we have other lives aside from this baseball team. And you're a huge movie guy. And your tweet yesterday or today was like, you know, it's crazy how we've gone from seeing this movie as a huge meme with the original, you know, Ryan Reynolds pictures and stuff like that, or Ryan Gosling pictures, excuse me, and to genuine award buzz. And so what does, you know, the Barbie movie or Oppenheimer mean for, you know, movies being back in theaters as it stands and, and the excitement uh, of both of these two coming out at the same time?
1: I I love that I could talk about this right now because obviously... Yeah, I knew I, uh,
0: I, w- I wanted to give you a chance to talk about it.
1: It's it's insane that this is going, that this, uh, as we speak, as I will actually, when this episode releases, I will be seated for Oppenheimer, that... All this is going on in the middle of one of the most awful things that's ever happened in Hollywood history with the writer strike and actor strike yeah. going on right now. And if you, if you don't know what that is, basically, uh, actors and writers are going on strike because these big studios and Disney and Warner Bros. and Whoever, whoever else might be out there are, are, are unwilling to pay their actors and their, their writers, the, the kind of money that they deserve post production, what, especially now with the streaming services and everything like that. But at the same time, everyone's about to give them universal and Warner Bros. the big bucks this weekend because I, I truly think that this Barbie Oppenheimer thing is people are going. People are gonna go see these movies, and
0: oh, undoubtedly.
1: I, I I'm so excited that you know people finally care about you know going to the cinema and seeing these films that have been talked about for two years now. I think it's been almost two years now that they, since announced that they were both releasing on the same day, and we've been talking about Barbenheimer for two years, and you know the day is finally here, and I'm I'm so. I I can't even, uh, like, underestimate how excited I am that, you know, these two di- great directors and Greta Gerwig and Christopher Nolan are releasing both of their movies that I think are gonna be awards movies and I think, you know, bring back that movie magic that has been gone for so many years. And yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be seeing the double feature on <laughs> Friday, uh, oppenheimer first with my coffee a little bit of lunch <laughs> slash dinner in between and then going to see barbie at night and i i am just you know i'm such a nerd when it comes to these things but i'm happy to see that i'm not the only nerd in the world no. that wants oh, to see no. both of these films and love them hopefully hopefully love them because the reviews the earlier reviews on both are great and yeah no, I, and-
0: that was the best thing, best way you could have put it. And thank you for putting that perspective. Um Because yeah, like you said, that this strike is terrible and it'll, if they don't, if they don't, you know, get the money soon, they're going to, it's going to make for some pretty awful co- times in about a year. Like by this time, next summer or two summers from now, a lot of these movies are going to, there's going to be a good lull because they, you know, they was work halted with good reason for, for so long. But I think in the time being, um, this this event, right? Like pre, like post COVID, like there was so much talk for years about even as soon as we got out of the pandemic, like you know, m- movies and sports and all this will never be the same because people will simply not be there in person. And I think you know, between last summer with Elvis and Top Gun and so many other movies, and then this summer so far with Mission Impossible and and Oppenheimer and and Barbie and um Indiana Across Jones. The Across yeah across the spider-verse there's been so many movies that have gotten people back in the movie theaters and that that has just been so awesome to see and you know this has nothing to do with the cubs but I, this is just something i'm glad we were able to talk about because i'm excited i'm seeing oppenheimer on friday and i don't even really go to the movies much anymore like i'm i wish i was seeing barbie too i'm just seeing oppenheimer on friday i'll probably see barbie some point early next week on um uh, when i'm i'm gone on a family trip but um I'm excited, man. And when I saw your tweet about it, I was like, we gotta talk about that on the pod because it is exciting, regardless of who you are. Yeah. And I, when I
1: put that tweet out, I think I, when I write tweets, sometimes I think about like, you know, what, what I'm, what am I writing them for? Who am I writing them for? And even though that didn't get the most engagements, I honestly think that was probably one of the best tweets I've ever put out because it's something that I really do care about a lot. And it's true. Like obviously it was never like really a doubt that a Christopher Nolan movie was going to get huge awards, big box office, like, and especially in uh, a, a historical piece about such a important time and really the world's entire history. Right. Right, right. This Barbie thing is just insane to me because it really is. It, 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 it could have been just like a meme. Like it's a, it's That's a how it started. It's a movie about a children's toy that is, you know, now being probably regarded as one of the top awards candidates. This, this, or come, come around next, next winter when Oscars and Golden Globes and whatnot all come out. I mean, it's insane that Margot Robbie and Brian Gosling are legitimately getting Oscar buzz for their roles as Barbie and freaking Ken and Ken.
0: I love it, and the marketing behind it is so cool. Like, I mean, these two movies are benefiting off one another. This and it's reached the That's point. That's what where I, I love
1: more than right, anything. That right. they're both benefiting
0: off each other. And it's reached the point where, like, like you said, there was almost no doubt the Christopher Nolan movie would be all time. But I mean, regardless of the, I was looking it up this morning. Oppenheimer has better reviews earlier on. They both have great reviews, but Oppenheimer is like a 94, I want to say, on Rotten Tomatoes, and Barbie's in the high 80s. 80, 89. yeah, 89, and it was um but i think I think they're projecting that Barbie's gonna make like like tons more opening I think I saw maybe like sixty seventy million is what they think, but I mean, who knows, but like it's gone up more it's yeah in the
1: in the domestic so that domestic is obviously in the United States right it's being projected one fourteen now that's awesome
0: i that's so cool dude i I'm really
1: I, excited for that if if you guys don't know the story with Top Gun Maverick, which have you have you seen Top Gun Maverick yes I really enjoyed it amazing amazing movie that you know it it that was one of those movies that early projections weren't projecting it to be you know the super high box office movie but word of mouth was able to you know gain it some steam and really dominate the entire summer more in the U.S. than anywhere else and I I don't know, man. Like, the Nolan movie, obviously, Rated R is going to dink it back a little bit because it's not putting children yeah. and young adults butts in seats. But I think this Barbie, I think Barbie could be a smash hit. And I, I'm not going to say it, but you know what? Fine. Bold prediction. We usually make predictions about the Cubs here. I'm making a prediction. I think Barbie is going to make bar billion dollars. I think it's going to go that elusive mil- billion, billion dollar billion dollar club i i truly think that it has it will have legs with the way that people will talk about it hopefully once it releases obviously i haven't seen it yet but so i might have i might have a different you know point of view on the film once i actually see it but the way that it's being talked up right now and the marketing behind it which is probably the best marketing a movie has Ever. ever done i think there's a chance it could put put up a billion dollars
0: Barbillion. That was that, did you get that from somewhere?
1: Oh, I mean, it's just like, I, I, I love when, like, one of, one of the big memes last year was, do you know the movie Morbius?
0: Yeah, yeah, like it's more so of a it time the, and stuff yeah, like that.
1: Yeah, it was the Jared, it was the Jared Leto. Barbillion, yeah. It yeah. was just the complete, right, just meme. awful, yeah. And people, and when it became a meme on social media, Sony was like, you know what? Let's let's, let's build lean this into this and, yeah. and re-release it in theaters
0: yeah.
1: and yeah. nobody and everyone's like, oh, my God, it's going to make more billion dollars and all this. <laughs> no one saw it.
0: Because <laughs> people forgot, you know, regardless of what Tom Cruise says and, you know, Mission Impossible and Top Gun and Barbie and Oppenheimer and Across the Spider-Verse, Indiana Jones. People forgot that in order to get back to the movie theaters, the movie has to be good. Exactly. And that. We'll probably throw it around the horn and wrap up this edition of the 120 Movie Podcast. Uh, we th- we actually talked about, Ben and I talked about making this episode just movies. W- Would have been really funny if we just, like, disguise it as a fake agenda for a Cubs episode, like, on Spotify. And then, like, as soon as we tuned in, we were just like, nah, let's just talk about movies. But, nope. So we wanted to make sure we fit it in for the last couple minutes. But I'm glad we did. And if you didn't listen to that, we'll hope you have a good one. Yeah, but
1: if you did stay up to this point, uh, next week,
0: I know you teased it a little bit. Yes.
1: Mikey's out of office. Yep. So, um obviously, Crosstown Classic next week. Um I'm going to reach out to a couple of our colleagues after this episode. A couple of esteemed guests. A couple of esteemed guests, a couple of friends, whatnot, just like Will With the Yankees, we're going to reach out to a couple of our White Sox friends and I think I will be, I'll be hosting Tuesday right before the, uh, White Sox Cubs kickoff. And yeah, so make sure to tune into that Tuesday at 120 as always. And yeah, I'm excited. We got, uh, we're going to let them let loose on the White Sox because
0: why not? love it because we we like to cause the drama. We like to bring that drama and that's what that's what will be the case if we just let those Sox fans let loose on the Sox and I cannot wait for that. Um it's I will be obviously be out of office like Ben said, headed to the Ozarks with the fam and on the way back up, going to stop in St. Louis on that Thursday night game. So if you're there, let me know if you're listening to this and I will be there for that Cubs and Cardinals battle to open that series from um what's Forever known, in the words of Chris Bryant, as the most boring city in the world. So, Ben, before we go, enjoy your Barbenheimer-ness on, I guess, today by the time this releases. And I will wish you the best of luck in your hosting duties with a bunch of Southsiders in uh next week's episode.
1: Thank you, thank you. And you'll be back to talk, hopefully,
0: a yes. series win
1: over yes. the St. Louis Cardinals.
0: We will record again that week so we can... I can share my insights when I run into uh, Jed Hoyer in, in St. Louis and just one-up
1: here. <laughs> That'd be even better. Go <laughs> no Cubs. Go no Cubbies.